0: You're listening to the Classroom and Culture Podcast from Epic Media Partners, where we go deep on all things faith, culture, creativity, tech, and innovation as they relate to education and learning. Please see the show notes for additional info and details discussed in today's podcast. Hey, classroom and culture listeners, we are coming to you today from the Epic Media Partners headquarters. I'm Monroe Jones, and today our host, Michael Zavada, and I talk to David Eaton. David is the president of the nonprofit AXIS, that's AXIS.org, which he co-founded in 2007. Every year, Access speaks to ten thousand plus students face to face, and every month, Access's digital products equip a hundred and twenty thousand plus parents, grandparents, pastors, and teachers. So. Parents and educators, please listen up. Uh, These products are super effective. In 2018, Axis helped caring adults start 1.7 million conversations that they would not have started without Axis with their 8 to 18 year olds. And I can tell you, Axis.org is an authority on teen culture and all that's facing Gen Z today. They've created powerful resources that foster relevant conversation between adults and teens. Teens. Um, and I subscribe to their email, The Culture Translator, which is weekly insight into how pop culture and tech are influencing your kids. And I also subscribe to their podcast, Axis Ideas. So David has led partnerships between Axis and uh, Family life today, MOPS, which stands for Mothers of Preschoolers, um, Young Life, Youth for Christ, Focus on the Family, Ravi Zacharias International Ministries, the Association of Christian Schools International, Compassion International, Word of Life, Moody Radio, the Colson Center, CareNet, and man, the list just goes on and on. He's been featured on the Family Life Today radio show and has authored a chapter in Dennis and Barbara Rainey's book, The Art of Parenting. And most recently, David's released a new book, which we'll be discussing today, entitled Smartphone Sanity, A Proven Way to Protect Your Kids, Build Trust, and Bring Smartphone Balance to Your Home. And before we dive in, I just want to share this quote from author and pastor Tim Keller. So Keller says, and I quote, I wish there were hundreds of groups like Axis. We are losing the next generation. We need help from people like Axis to reach teenagers. And I think that's a powerful endorsement. So with that, uh, let's dive in. Oh, nice uke. Dude, that uke, I can't tell you all of life's problems, man, that I have worked out with that uke. Uh, you know, I play ukulele. Do you really? What do you have? I have, well, I have
1: a Miami Yeah, man. So... Um, I'm a drummer. but drums are so antisocial, and and ukes are the opposite. You know, it's just such a beautiful instrument. Yes,
0: it is. It always pleases me and surprises me. This is what I tell Mike: you you can't be um you can't be in a bad mood with a uke in your hand, right? You, you just it's gonna be it's gonna be okay. You know what they say: so many drummers, so little time. <laughs> I there are so many drummer jokes there, and there should be. There should be. Yeah. Yeah. So, hey, guys, Mike and David, how are we doing? Hello. Hey. David, we've got a tradition here now. It's kind of an icebreaker before we dive into our discussion. Me being a music guy, I am particularly interested in what people are listening to, or maybe there's new stuff out there that I haven't heard. So I want to start by asking you, I just want to ask... When you're not listening to the Classroom and Culture podcast, man, what is your go-to band or artist that either you've grown up with or you're listening to all the time or that you've just s- discovered? That could be cool, too.
1: Well, Monroe, we live in an age of uh, Spotify, an age of prime. And I don't know what it's doing for the music industry, but I love it. And I will tell you what I've been loving so much right now are just Spotify playlists. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, So I think one funny one that I've been listening to recently that's just kind of relaxing is it's called Hawaiian Dreams. And it's just people plucking on ukulele. And so that's a great work one or any like lo-fi beats that they have going on. And then finally, this is not what you asked, but if I could go back in time and listen to an album all the way through in a dark room by myself just because I wanted to experience
0: the beauty of it. I'd probably do Dark Side of the Moon. Oh, man, I almost said, don't tell me Dark Side of the Moon. Right. Okay. Listen, I completely agree with you. One of the top ten greatest rock records of all time. I've done the dark room thing, but also we heard this thing about if you turn the sound off and watch The Wizard of Oz, and then start Dark Side of the Moon at a certain point in the movie, that eerily it all lines up. So you're listening to Dark Side of the Moon as the soundtrack. You're watching Wizard of Oz. Um, dude, it's a trip. I'm just going to tell you, try that one after you do the dark room experience. It's something else. And, and then the next podcast, we'll have David Eaton on drug abuse. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. And parents trying oh, yeah. to uh, govern their teens, but uh,
1: yeah, I know they, uh, to this might be judging me, but man, that's an amazing album. And it asks questions about sanity, insanity, money, time, Malaysia, I just, man, it's, it's like reading Ecclesiastes to me.
0: Yeah, well, you know, one of the founding members of Dark Side of the Moon, famous story now, but his, his name is Sid Barrett. And he, he, Sid had all kinds of, of mental battles and issues that he fought, also while being really brilliant and really talented. And so a lot of that fed into um, the subject matter of their tunes. And it's all very famous stuff now, but it's super interesting for sure. Well, I, I was uh,
2: entranced when you started talking about Hawaii because uh, I think you've had some connections to Young Life. And I was a Young Life leader in Hawaii, and that brings oh. back memories of Young Life Club with ukulele music as accompaniment. But uh,
1: I'm just a fan, and they're kind of a what they do is a total dream to me because we're Axis, the organization that I co founded. Uh, we serve parents as they disciple their kids. We help parents understand what's going on in their kid's world, feel confident. As one mom said, when she comes across something new in her kid's world, she either feels silent or violent. Like, I'm just not going to talk about it, or this is so scary and terrible, I'm going to rip the phone out of my kid's hand or yell at them. Our calling is to make a parent confident. Uh, But we get to serve a lot of parents, uh, but what if the parent's not involved? And that's one of the strengths of young life. Is there kids that the parents aren't necessarily there or parents aren't Christians or, you know, and so that's what's, so yeah, thank you for what you did and thank you for suffering for Jesus in Hawaii. I mean, mean, someone had to do it and it had to be you.
2: teaching out of school, but I got called to do young life (laughs) on the, uh, as a leader, but, uh, well I'm in that parent category and I am, so fitting that I'm one, uh, one month away from having a teen daughter Oh, and this, we are moving as a family. So my wife, we've discussed it and she's going to get a cell phone, a smartphone, but it's not going to have all the bells and whistles. It may even be an old, older one, one of our old ones, but so it's perfect for me to be talking to you. I got a month to plan and this oh, is my oldest good
1: shape. <laughs> so,
2: uh, what would you say to the parent entering this fray based on your life calling with Access and Smartphone Sanity, your book?
1: Right. Uh, so, Access has been around for 13 years. We serve 200,000 families a month right now. Uh, that just blows my mind. And we believe that the parent is the hero. The parent is the missionary, and Access is just your research assistant. So, if in the next 20 or 30 minutes on this podcast, I can be your research assistant in any way, I'm pumped about that. And what's amazing is, like, you have, I mean, everything you just said, Mike, is totally normal and good. So, this is, um, for example, what age do well, first of all, how old is your daughter? Almost 13? So, she's going to be 13.
2: She's in seventh grade and uh, type A, firstborn, top of her class. But um, I don't have as much concerns about her as my son coming behind. And, and maybe that we can talk about the difference between boys and girls and their cell phone usage. But I know uh, it's, it's uh, there in both regards. Having haven't been a principal. But um,
1: what would you say? Yeah, the number one thing any parent can do with their kids in a smartphone is to create a family agreement. So, and this is a work in progress document. It's not. It's not Fort Knox. It's not the Leviticus law, uh, because you you have to have a heart connection through it, and really inviting your smartphone story into theirs as well is really important. Like you want their feedback. Uh, you know, we really believe at Axis that the next generation needs their parents' wisdom, but that parents need their kids' wonder, and so there's going to be things. I mean, maybe in the past, maybe in the past you could police their life enough. Um, where they could, you know, where you could outsmart them in all areas. But now in the age of technology, there's just no way around it. And, you know, what's crazy is that your daughter's about to turn 13 and she doesn't have a phone yet. And and half of her peers had a phone by the age of 10. Wow. So she's probably in the 10 to 20% minority of her school. I would say probably 90% of the other kids have phones already. So as, as we empathize... With her now, she's a. It seems like she's. She likes to get things done, make it happen. She's in sports. does not want to be too distracted, um, but she was literally left out of fifty percent of the conversations that happened at the school. And uh, I mean, so that's just a reality, and that's a reality. And so I think it's great if we put on our like go back in time, and maybe while well, I'm going back in time and listening to Pink Floyd, the rest of you can go back in time and think about what it feel like to be fourteen, what it feel like to be twelve. Imagine not being able to laugh at half the jokes. Imagine not knowing half the slang. Imagine not knowing what, you know, new thing was experienced and shared. That's just, that's just hard. You're cut
0: off at that point. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, You're just not, you're not a full member of the community. Um, However, at the same time, and I mean, Mike, you've, you've led with vulnerability, which I appreciate. sounds like your daughter's into sports. You guys are moving. So, uh, you know, it'd be be nice for her to have a phone so she can call you and say, hey, practice is going to be an extra 30 minutes. We got in trouble. We're running more laps. Hey, we're done early. Hey, this is the field that I'm at. And so what normally happens is that some parents give their kids a new phone. Parents just give their kids an old phone. And guess what? Most of us don't have landlines. And so if we don't have a landline at our house and we get a new iPhone and it's just convenient to give our kid uh, a phone, However, um, as one dad said to me, and this is I, I share this all the time, so I just think this this sums it up. He's like, I spend three thousand dollars a year on my family's phones, like hardware and their data plan, just to get in a yelling match with my daughters once a week. <sighs> about how to take this phone and make it not an adversary for the family, but to connect um, our families. And so I'm gonna ask you guys a question uh, and see see how you'd respond. This was a total zinger that was sent my way. and okay. it's actually the first chapter in the book. First chapter in the book is called The Catastrophe that Caused this book. Um, I had a 16 year old young lady after getting in a yelling match with her mom that I was witnessing about their phones. This young lady said to me, David, the stricter the parent, the sneakier the child. And I didn't have an answer for it. So if if someone's, if a young lady, maybe your kid or someone else's kid said, the stricter the parent, the sneakier the child, how would you process that? Well, as a principal, I've, I've seen that. I've seen that.
2: <laughs> and and was at a Christian school, and so people are you know, they're honest and open for the most part and and they're uh, willing to be vulnerable and come to me and they came into me or the head of school and they would say, I have no idea. We've never gone through this. Help us. A lot like in your situation. And I think there is definitely a grain of truth. I read that part of your book and um, some ways you think it's a cop out on the girl saying, you're going to try and do this to me, but I'm just going to I'm just gonna opt out, and there's nothing you can do about it. Right. You hate that heart. That heart has been jaded already. Um, so I guess the question twofold is how do you comfort the parent and educate them and give them some good best practice and then speak to the heart? And the only way that I've seen the speaking to the heart is – what you're doing, understanding where they're coming from. When you talked about being left out of, in my daughter's case, being left out, you're speaking to the heart. And that's when they, you start to see the heart turn a little bit.
1: Right. And when this young lady said this to me, there was just no trust between her and her mom anymore. And you know what? There was good reason for that. Um, on both sides, on both sides. They had both just wounded each other so many times, but they were just committed to be adversaries. And so actually, this was my dinner conversation. Actually, I have two dinner dinner conversation questions. The first one is what album did you love in high school? Which is when Monroe asked me at the beginning, which I think is hilarious. And, and the other one is um, back in the day was the stretch of the parent sneaky of the child. And so I had grandpa Bob solve the riddle for me. And he responded with another question. He said, are you raising a sin concealer? Are you raising a sin confessor? And so the issue of stricter or sneaky is all about trust and it's all about, you know, really the issue of the heart. So let's talk about some best practices. So access been around for 13 years. We uh, started the year that the smartphone started. You can actually see my, my wall back here. I have a picture of Steve jobs holding the first iPhone, like a proud father. Um, And so, you know, we didn't think it'd be that big of a deal. I remember getting my first iPhone when we were traveling with teams it's like this, this GPS thing's amazing. I mean, this is very yeah. really helpful. Um, but now, um, last couple of years, we just said we're going to dedicate a lot of time and energy and we're going to solve this puzzle. So I'm going to give you four essential conversations to have with your kid about the smartphone and this is going to help you recontextualize what's going on and really help you enter into that story and lead so if you're a parent grandparent school administrator who's listening to this just know that access in your corner smartphone sanity and get on amazon it costs about half of a percent of your yearly phone bill so you have to say is that worth the sanity for half a percent of your yearly phone bill. Uh, Okay, so first conversation is this, is that you have to look at the phone from God's perspective, if we can, without our brains exploding. And as we start to look at it from his perspective, I don't think God ever looks at the world and says anything is neutral. I don't think he says, oh, that tree over there, that rainbow, that mountain, that um, any of those things, they're not neutral. He made a world that is very good that is loaded with beauty and actually loaded with latent energy. And so for those of you, again, this is just a podcast, you can't see, but right behind Monroe is a ukulele. Um, You know, there were no ukulele trees in the Eden. It took someone having to figure out the right kind of wood, stretching out strings, figuring out you know modality and frequency and hertz and all of these different technologies to put together this thing of beauty. And so when we look at any cultural good, Like a ukulele or like a smartphone, I think it's great to start off not saying it's neutral, not saying it's terrible, but saying this is a part of God's very good world. How can I celebrate it? Then saying God's very good world is under a curse. There are going to be ways that the very good thing about this phone is twisted. And then, man, this is going to be an abbreviation. But because of our sinfulness, because of the evil in the world, and because of God sending Jesus to renew and redeem all things, How can we redeem this phone? How can we use it for good? So the first conversation is how's it very good? How's it cursed? And how can we redeem it as a family? When you do this and you start with celebration, uh, you're no longer a nagging parent. Uh, and you can do this with, so let's say it's TikTok. Let's say it's Snapchat. Let's say it's Fortnite. Let's say it's whatever the new game is. It's whatever that thing that has captured their imagination. Ask them questions about what they love about it. Pretend you're a missionary uh, going to a foreign country. It just so happens the foreign country is your child's heart and they live in the same zip code as you. Mm -hmm. But they live up with a totally different language, totally different cultural artifacts. And the first conversation is very good
0: cursed and how can we redeem it? Wow. Well that's so interesting. you know, it's funny because I'm sure you've heard this, David, but we hear often, hey, the technology is neutral. It's just what you do with it. If you think it through, who designed that technology? Well, humans did. So human bias is engineered into whatever. there's just no escaping it. So redemption, what a great way to look at it.
1: And it's uh, it just invites the phone into the story of God. And the idea of things being we used to talk about technology being neutral for about three years. And then we're like, this is wrong.
0: doesn't make sense if you think it through. Yeah. It's just narrow-minded. Yeah. You know, there's a bigger story at play. Well, you know, there's this N.T. Wright book, right? Surprised by Hope. And he talks about, just imagine for a minute, all these things that are great now. Well, there you go. Wow. Is that N.T. Wright? That book changed my life. Yeah. Is that not a great book? I love his take on... What if this is art, whatever it is, why wouldn't it exist and be redeemed in heaven? Right. Um, yeah. Great book. Wow. Yeah. How yeah. that
1: book changed my life is it helped reform my Southern Baptist Texan uh, Gnosticism that said, the world's bad and my spiritual soul is good and must be saved. And so I, therefore I reject all the things in this world. And so this was an early church heresy called Gnosticism. Paul writes about it a lot. N.T. Wright helped dislodge it for me. And what's amazing is that ancient dragon of Gnosticism is back hmm. and it, in the smartphone because the smartphone promises you that you can be two different people at once. Um, one is a spiritual being, which is just the, you know, the, the person that you curate. In your life and curate online and the other one is this physical being that has to make eye contact with a girl on wow. your date if you even date and so what's amazing about that is narcissism talks about the uh, we're, we're going deep on this i hope you guys are listening but again i keep pointing to my wall back here this is the snapchat it's i love a it ghost. yeah it's a ghost and so what does it allow you to be it allows you to be this ephemeral thing that's not you and and it's um it will be found wanting At some level, it's great because you can protect yourself and not be vulnerable and not be known. But then all of a sudden, all the essential things um, that are so important to our humanity are missing. This brings us to a second conversation. Second conversation is, what is it for? Okay, so the first one is, how is this very good, cursed, and how can we redeem it as a family? The second one is, what is it for? This is the question of purpose or telos um, or design. And what's great about this, notice that you're asking a question. Uh, at Access, we've always said the issue is not unanswered questions. We will always have unanswered questions. The issue is unquestioned answers. So, what are the answers we assume to be true? So, saying what is it for about the phone gets the family to agree on the use of it, and and then say we're living an incongruous life. <laughs> so, if uh, uh, you know a great story is what's a phone for? Okay, well, it's to connect us to the ones we love. I think most people would say that's a pretty darn good reason. Uh, and then your family goes to dinner, and, you know. Or, and then I am at the restaurant, right? And what do I do? I look at my email because I'm going to my dopamine. What does my wife do? She goes to Pinterest. What would my 13 year old son do? Play Fortnite or Minecraft. What would my 15 year old daughter, if they were this old, you know, what I'm saying, what would she do? Uh, she's got to keep her streak alive, or she's going to check out this the TikTok feed. And all of a sudden, this awesome device has us not using it to connect with each other. Um, and so personally, I suck at this. Um, and so there's this great quote, I can't remember, it's probably made up. But it says, if you can't have perfect moderation, you need to have abstinence. <laughs> and so for me, I have not figured out how to have perfect moderation with my phone at home. So uh, multiple nights a week, I will leave my phone in my car overnight. Because I am a terrible dad to my 23-year-old son, a 23-month-old son, a <laughs> little veil, um, when I have this phone on me. And I haven't and if I'm having trouble as a 36-year-old man with discipline with that, imagine a not fully formed 16-year-old brain who's just totally addicted to dopamine. So even one of the greatest things you can do, and the book points this out, is watch third party non-Christian videos about the science behind dopamine and your brain. Mm-hmm. And you yeah. know, all of a sudden, it's just like, it's like the Wizard of Oz and the curtain's being pulled back and someone's playing Pink Floyd again. And, <laughs> then, uh, <laughs> uh, and you you realize, and it brings this conversation of like, wow, does Snapchat really have your best interest at heart? Does Instagram really have your best interest at heart? Or are they just monkeying with your brain and the dopamine receptors and it's an attention economy, but the the app is free, but they sold it for billions of dollars to Facebook. How does a billion yeah?
0: Today's classroom and culture podcast is produced and sponsored by Epic Media Partners. Epic has created a learning platform complete with a robust content management system for schools and teachers that's connected to a mobile app to engage students in a way that's relevant to them and makes curriculum content come to life. We offer a wide range of biblical worldview content and curriculum through dynamic and educationally sound lessons that parachute into Generation Z's world and speak their language. Epic's founders are passionate about Gen Z and want to ensure that the legacy and depth of a biblical worldview carries through to the next generation. Teachers and school leaders, please don't miss out on the opportunity to supercharge your Bible courses or your advisory sessions with Epic. Contact the Epic team at epic2.com or contact Tyler Young in our school's support area at tyyoung, that's T-Y-Y-O-U-N-G, At Epic2.com. Ty Young at Epic2.com.
1: So what is it for is the second conversation. The
2: dopamine is a a great point because when I was early in my tenure as principal, we had some strict cell phone rules at the school. And when the student whipped out their cell phone in class, and I happened to see it doing a classroom observation, And they knew they couldn't have it. And they'd look at me and I'd come over and I'd take it, which was never a great thing because I was kind of taking the teacher's ability to have a relationship with the student in the classroom away from them. The reaction was so intense. And when you suggest the dopamine is there, which brain research tells us it is, that is the only reason for it because it was completely irrational. What was going to happen? The kid was going to have to come and get the phone at the end of the school day. They weren't supposed to have it anyway. All that was real calm in theory, but the dopamine makes it an intense moment and it's an intense conflict and upsets the
1: learning environment. I, I, I don't know. I can't imagine what it would be like to be a principal Ugh. or a teacher yeah. with phones in the classroom and because it creates those intense situations and but it changes the conversation as well and so again when i think about um how we even think about the phone as we want to get sanity and balance back into our life we got to talk about what we're missing and not just what's bad about it talk about the relationships that require work and require effort and require being together um which you know the third the third conversation It's all about um it's all about boundaries and trust. And so either, you know, I like to think of it as driver's ed because I'll tell you, Mike and Monroe, I know exactly where you were the morning of your 16th birthday. (laughs) You were at the DMV. We were. I was, yeah. it was time for that car. So you could go to basketball practice or band practice or take that girl on the date or get a job or whatever. That was freedom. And now you're like. What are these 17-year-olds doing without driver's license? What are these 18-year-olds doing without driver's license? Well, they don't need a driver's license because they have a phone. And so as you think about the third conversation, it's we're on a destination of trust with the destination, or we're on a journey of trust with the destination of independence. Kind of a long statement. Um, But it's really the driver's ed thing. When it comes to to driver's ed and getting your car, my word, there is so much government licensing with this thing because they're afraid you're going to kill yourself, each other bodily harm, you know, just harm the environment. And so you have like, I don't even know, I think in Colorado, it's 50 hours of driving with your parent. And then there's written tests and classes and a driving test. And then you get a permit. I mean, everything is just kind of baby stepped, but it's not that way with a phone. A phone is just like, well, I guess it's time. It's not like you have a natural, like this is a moment. It's just whenever you want to buy it for your kid or give them your old one. So this answers the question, um, at what age should I give my kid a phone? Okay. Uh that question is actually a false dichotomy uh, because it assumes two things that are false. Uh the first thing it assumes is assumes that your kid doesn't have a phone right now. Your kid has a phone right now. They have access to their friends' phones. And if they want to get super sneaky, they can just buy one of their friends' old phones um, and then just use the Wi-Fi for it. And that'll cover most of what they want to do because they don't want to make phone calls anyway, right? Okay, so that would be like, hey, so we have to teach our kids to love the right things and desire what is good, even if they don't have a phone, because they're just, you know, another 12-year-old's phone away from seeing naked pictures for the first time, whether it's porn or whether it's sexting or whether it's something graphic. I got a mom tell me that her son um, was very, very private and wouldn't talk to her about much, but came and stood next to her and just started crying. And she's like, what's going on? She's like, a friend of mine just sent me a video of a man murdering puppies. And it's, it's like, what kind of world do we live in? Where that's just can be, um, or even people killing each other. Like there are videos of like literal first person shooters, not video games. Where people film them killing other people and it shows up maybe not on the major social media streams. Um, so we have to help them. Your kid will have access to a phone. The other thing is that when you give them a phone, you don't have to give them everything. You do not have to say, Hey, Happy birthday. Here's your phone in a box. Pull the cellophane off, open it up, pull the phone out, set it up, and you can do whatever you want. Actually, at Access, we recommend their first phone has no internet, no app store. Texting is kind of up to you and definitely no social media. And then, you know, something amazing happened in 2018. I don't know if Google and Apple started to freak out from the government warnings or if just uh, one of their spouses of the leaders just said, this has got to stop. But Google added Google Family Link, and Apple added Screen Time, and so from your phone, from your phone, as a mom or a dad, you can shut your kid's phone off at any time. You can say you only get 15 minutes of Snapchat a day if you want to. If you want to be a tyrant, you can. If you you can put on bedtimes, you can. I mean, there are so many new and again, the of the parent, the sneakier the child. Your kid will find a way around these things. Oh yeah, um, they will outsmart you, but. For the previous 12 or 11 years or however long it was, all the power was in the kids' hands once they had a phone. There was no way. And, you know, when when it first came out, I thought it was gonna be amazing Monroe. I thought every parent was gonna know about it. And within the first month that it came out, about 1% of the parents I talked to knew about it. And now it seems that about 10 to 20% of parents know about it. Still 80% of parents have no clue that these built-in resources hardwired into the phone work and and kids can't ignore it. Yeah. So when you set it up, they'll actually shut their phone down. Yeah. And so this can create a very contentious adversarial relationship with your kid. Yeah. And so that's why, um, again, in the book, the book's funny. The book shares a lot of success stories of parents, but we're going to tell you how to make a smartphone family agreement. And I'm just going to mention when it comes to this driver's ed idea, there are eight different domains and I wish there weren't eight, I wish there were four, I wish there were just two, but there are eight different ways you have to think about your phone and four of those have nothing to do with the phone, but your family's philosophy and the other four are technical. Wow. So i just say the first four are like, what are the non-negotiables of your family? And so this just means porn is wrong. Sexting is always wrong. What happens if someone sends you a nude photo? What are you going to do about it? What's the course of action? Um, are you gonna hide it from your parents? Do you feel like safe enough to tell your dad about it? Do you trust your dad not to freak out and scream at people? Like what's the Another one is just with the non-negotiables is if your mom texts you, how fast do you need to respond? Within an hour? Within 30 minutes? Within five minutes? Does it depend if it's a, you know, softball practice or not? So those are non-negotiables. The next three and the, you know, the philosophical ones are who pays for the phone, who pays for it when it breaks, who pays for the cases for it, who pays for the upgrades, how often can you have an upgrade, who pays for the AirPods. (laughs) You wouldn't think, but like this is, phones cost more than my first car cost. So let's just be serious about that. So there's a conversation. And then the other one is, can you have the phone in the bathroom? So this is location. Can you have the phone in the bedroom? Can you have the phone at church? Can you have your phone? In the living room, can you, I mean, can you phone at school? Can you phone during homework? What does your family think about location? And the last one is time. So can you have your phone all day long? Um, if you can have your phone not in the bedroom, can you be on your phone for 12 hours in the living room? So those are all, and, you know, some of those stem back, well, oh, privacy, you know, like, I got to have a right to privacy. Well, as Christians, um, how would I say this? The Bible reminds us that we're better in community than we are in isolation. Actually, we're terrible in isolation many times. Um, the other four aspects are uh, internet, social media, app store, and texting. I probably said in the wrong. Those are all things you set up on the phone. And in the book, we outline how you can start off with nothing and then how you can, like, let the next level and then next, let the next level. Because ultimately, you don't want your 17-year-old whispering under his breath saying, I can't wait to leave home. Just wait, dad. You just wait. Yeah. I hate this place. I can't wait to do the next thing. Um, instead you want to say, look, I'm, you're, I'm trying to raise an adult here. I want you to have full phone independence and autonomy inside my home. And we're going to get you there if you want to get there. But it means that I have to trust you. I I care about your best interest. I want what's best for you. And so these are the things I want to see. We actually talk about this in the book too. It's like you want to see them under authority in community, self-governing you know a handful of these just adult things you want to see them where it's like maybe they're not accountable to you for some of the sexual challenges of the phone um, the sirens call but you want to see them with a group of other men or with a mentor because that's what you want to see your 20 year old to be doing anyways when he's at college Um, so the third part I mean we handle it in the same amount of pages in the book but it is it's pretty serious but that will do all the work for you we're gonna save you days of heartache, and I mean literal heartbroken days. And you have to ask yourself, is that worth 19 bucks on Amazon to you? Yes, it is.
0: pastors and educators. You need to know AXIS, A-X-I-S, AXIS.org is all things culture, conversation, and connection. They are here to help you navigate today's culture and connect with your teen through meaningful conversations that last a lifetime. AXIS has partnered with Epic to point teens back to a biblical worldview, and they have powerful, powerful resources like the Culture Translator email that gives insights into the hot topics hitting your teen each week. And by the way, that email is free. Also, they've got parent guides and teen summits that take a deeper dive into a particular issue and conversation kits that give in-depth educational and transformational training. Go browse their site for all of these great resources. That's Axis, A-X-I-S, Axis.org. Well, and well, I was just gonna say, the great thing too is as a parent, This really goes a long way in being just, if nothing else, a remedy to the fear we have as parents about this whole thing. Parents are so fearful of this. And so instead of like being proactive and jumping in and doing all the hard, heavy lifting like you guys have done, everybody's frozen in their tracks and they don't know what to do about it. And then because they're fearful, that's where all the anger comes from. It's because you're afraid. So, man, I, I love this. I would also say some of the areas that you're talking about,
2: when I first got into Christian schools you know, they were taboo. And the, first the parents want only them to be talking about sex to their children at the age that they want them to. Well, that, that was the mentality that was explained to me when I first got in. And then it shifted to, you got to help us with this <laughs> yeah. right? because of sexting and porn on the phones. And we're going to our first overnight trip to DC and they're going to be in a hotel room with people that have phones and what's going to happen? Um, so, what would you say to school leaders who are going to want to enter this fray and partner alongside the students and the parents?
1: I would say, I wish you could just teach math and history and science and literature and art and band. I mean, that I wish, I wish that was the case. If you're, um, if you're at a school that doesn't prioritize character, everyone does, everyone does, but it's not part of like your mission and vision, then you still have to address this phone thing because you just can't teach in class because of the dopamine, because of the extreme shame that happens when someone's sexed, because of the extreme pressure that happens, because of uh, the bullying that happens uh, in the privacy of the phone. Um, however, if you are a school that partners with parents, I wish you didn't have to lead in this, but you have to lead in it. You have to grab the bull by the horns and say this is a conversation that's going to be essential. And even the way uh, I think is the best to frame it is the phone could be the best tool to disciple your kids than anything else out there. Uh, Because it's going to force conversations that you didn't know you're going to have to have. It's going to allow you to stay in contact with them in some really amazing ways. It's going to give them access to their grandparents like never before. Um, however, this is a device and a lot of new technology goes to kids first before their parents. Um, I think, I mean, I know, I don't think, I know that my parents taught me how to use a phone when I was seven years old. It would ring, we'd run over, we'd grab it and say, hey, this is the Eaton residence, may I ask who's speaking? There was etiquette, there was rules, there were things, and it was sort of public. Now it's like kids are teaching their parents how to use emojis or how to, you know, what the new slang means or You know, oh, you know, why don't you have multiple Instagram accounts? You're not on Instagram. You're on TikTok. You know, like there's always going to be something new. So that's why I say with schools, you want to get ahead of this and make it a part of your culture because the phone's not going away. It's incredible. Um, It's amazing. But I I think it's incredibly difficult. Um, Yeah. One of
2: the things that you do with Access that I love and I wish I had it was not just as a parent, but as a school administrator, as the cultural translator. So I believe it's on Fridays. There's a message that comes out, and I was reading uh, the last few that came out, and, uh, man, you are on the cusp. There was something like Quibi or something like that, and I'm like, I'd never heard of that. But literally, I would get a call from my buddy in Mobile was a principal down there saying, Hey, have you heard about this? It's coming. And then two days later, Yik Yak came to our area. I don't know if you remember that. And, And, um, a social media that wasn't, it was supposed to be used at universities to tell when parties were, and people were using it to, uh, harass kids with it. But, um, I'm like, man, the cultural translator is perfect for Principals trying to get out ahead. So I would inevitably say, be sending out an email to parents saying, hey, this is something we're hearing about. Be on the watch out for this. If this happens, do bump, 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 bump. And the different hoax things that came through and, uh, you know, obviously Snapchat was old news, but um, you guys are on that every Friday. And so one of the questions Monroe and I wanted to ask you is, how, who does your research and how do you have such a smart, young, with it team? How do you hire those folks?
0: Well, and I'll just add to that, Mike. Absolutely. Great question. And how is it that they are so good at resonating with just the right language and what's relevant in their world? How do they do that?
1: No, uh, it's, it's, it's a pretty simple answer. I get asked this question a lot. It's, it's not a how, it's a who. It's like, uh, look at CJ in the office. He's 22 years old. Look at Evan. He's 27. Look at Hannah. She's 23. She just got married. Look at these, and I call them young bloods, but uh, they're, I mean, because it's not, it's, they're not researching it. It's them, it's their world. They're growing up into it. This is second nature to them. And uh, it was second nature to me when I started Access when I was 23 years old. And yeah, you have some, you know, we have some wisdom at Access too. Um, you know I just I can think of a handful of people who influence that or who have a little bit more uh, more experience in their life who help think theologically about some of these issues, but man if' it 's it's notorious to answer questions that someone 's not asking that 's what parents and adults have problems with all the time, and so that 's one of the things that is our goal is to ask the right questions. What are the ones that they're actually... So even like right now, there's not a whole lot of philosophical questions floating around there about the existence of God and what's your worldview and what's the problem of evil and suffering. Every That's the philosophical questions. are great. I loved them. Now the questions are all psychological. It's what does it mean to be human? It's uh why am I depressed? Why am I anxious? Why, what's my gender? What are my options for gender? What is sex? Um, what is female? What is male? And so all of a sudden... You're really looking at the same truth. You're just accessing it through a different different vantage point. And um, so, yeah, I think when it comes to our teams here, I mean, there's 23 of us, handful of people who are outsourced, and it's our full-time job to be your research assistant. It's our full-time job to help you join the conversation that culture is already having with your kids. And sometimes that means just asking the right questions. Sometimes that means not being embarrassed and just knowing, oh, that's who this artist is. And that's how you pronounce their name. Sometimes that means, hey, let's celebrate. Let's, what was awesome about that? What do you love about it? Tell me more about it. I want to know about your world. Um, all these things are going to give you influence because here's the thing. This is our core story at Axis. Uh, we had a young lady say to us, and this is terrible. She says, I've only had one real conversation with my dad. And uh, so you she's in her thirties and you're like, yeah, one real conversation. Uh, that's awful. So much is going to be lost in translation to make the story worse is that her dad is on the access board. He's a Christian university president. He's a professional Christian, like the three of us. Uh, it's just like, Hey, there it is. I mean, I guess it's not possible. Right. Um, but then his daughter smiled and she said it again, she says, I've only had one real conversation with my dad and we've never stopped having that one conversation. So parents are going to have a 60-year conversation with their kids. Grandparents are going to have a 30-year conversation with their kids. And there is no one, no one more influential than a parent on a child. For good or for evil, but there is no one more influential. So just just hanging in there. (laughs) You're going to have more influence than the constellation of other YouTube videos or other things that are out there. You're going to spend more money. You're going to have more fun. You're going to have more heartache and just have more meaning in your life because of that one conversation. And this brings us to the fourth essential conversation. So the first one is very good curse. How redemption. redeem it? The second one is what is it for? The third one is we're on a journey of trust with a destination of independence, kind of like driver's ed. I don't want to be in the pastor's seat of your car the rest of my life as your parent. The fourth one is that you can tell me everything. You can tell me anything. I'm not going to overreact. I'm not going to freak out. And actually, if you listen to this, you might need to practice your I'm not shocked face. Yeah. Uh, if you hear things, just be like, I'm going to be safe. and But you're going to freak out. And just, just invite the Holy Spirit into that fear. And just remember, you're going to have one conversation. You don't have to always win. But if your child can't tell you anything, then they're going to tell other people everything. Hmm. And they're going to start seeking out other sources of wisdom, other sources of ideas. And so to reinforce to them over and over again that you love them, you're not going to overreact, they can tell you anything, you are their chief advocate. I mean, there's a reason that the Bible says you should honor your parents because you, so you can live long. <laughs> but, you know, that, yeah, doesn't yeah. Always, that doesn't always come through. And so that's what I have to say is like, hey, like, I'm in your corner. I am in your corner like no one else ever will be. Uh, and you know, and that's the frustrating thing when you run a school is you come across different kids with different parents and their different level of engagement and different level of interest. And then they start, tri- I mean, kids will triangulate. Humans will triangulate. Triangulate. Oh, that's a great they'll, word. They'll just get you. And so if they can be like, well, dad, I'm the only kid who doesn't have a phone. Well, I don't care. I mean, I do care. I care about you, but like, here's why you don't have one. And this is how we're. You know, this is this is. Let me cast a vision for freedom in your life, because once I give you this phone, it's going to be limited. But I want you to be free, and free—not free mean freedom doesn't mean doing whatever whatever you want, whenever you want, however you want. It means freedom to do good, not not be enslaved by evil, uh, to flourish. Uh, So there's always going to be a way for that triangulation to happen. But even I mean, that's and that's why Access exists. We want to help schools. We want to help families. You know, bring up some conversations preemptively guess what? If you're a normal person like me, you're going to be reacting a lot of times too. you are going to be like, oh my goodness, didn't see that one coming. Guess I got a triage. That's okay. That's okay if that's 75% of your parenting. <laughs> I mean, you want to get it right as much as you can, but sometimes when you make that mistake and then you model confession to your kids, that's how they become a sin confessor and not a sin conceiver. <laughs> a lot of great conversations, a lot of interesting challenges uh, with the phone. And I just want all the parents who are there just to realize you have what it takes. In school administrators. you have what it takes. You can do this. Uh, you can't ignore this, though. It's unfortunate. It's one of those. There are two seismic shifts happening right now. One is a smartphone and the other one is Gen Z. It's this rising generation. And it wouldn't it be great to say, I'm just going north ignore the 16-year-olds in my class are Gen Z. I'm just going to treat them like they're Gen X or millennials or boomers. Wouldn't that just be, they just need to be like me. Well, guess
0: what? They're not going to be. Okay, boomer.
1: <laughs> so, w- well
0: placed, Monroe. <laughs> I probably learned that phrase uh, from either Axis Ideas or the Culture Translator. Sorry. <laughs> but, yeah.
1: No, it's a, it's, a, it's a powerful phrase. Yeah. I mean, it really is. And for those of you listening, it just—it's when some someone who is older does something uh, that an older person would do, and probably doesn't have empathy for the younger generation, and they just feel mad, and so they just say "okay, boomer" as a way to say, uh, you know, you're dumb and old. <laughs> and what's crazy is that because we worship the youth in Western civilization, and because we don't appreciate the wisdom of age, then they get away with it. So, but sometimes,
0: man. <laughs> it's it's well-placed and deserved. No, I, absolutely. <laughs> and I'll say, too, I talk about um, all the great resources, right, that Access has and all these things in the show notes and in the intro. And I subscribe to all of it. Man, you guys are like... There is no equal in terms of being in the know and just the wisdom that's provided in these things. But you know what? It's entertaining, too. I love like, for instance, as we get older, our language, we all know this, is getting hijacked by this young generation. So for you guys, like literally this week, the word I think was big. And I'm like, big. okay? what have they done to the word big? But it's it's really it's entertaining. It's fascinating for sure.
1: And Monroe, I've seen you with your daughters and you are totally a one conversation dad. I mean, it's been so clear to me. Uh, they trust you. They like you. Um, and that's not about, it's not about being liked always. But no, it's I not, can tell right. that you have done the work to have that relationship with them where they know you're going to be there until you're
0: not there. Wow. <laughs> thank you. That's huge. Oh, that's awesome. Any specific what, questions about the smartphone or anything else you guys want to cover? Well, you know what? I got sort of a random thing here that I would just love to see what your thoughts are. So can I can I just throw out a few stats that we actually use here? I'm, you're familiar with all these. I would just love to get your quick knee-jerk thought when you hear like two or three of these stats. Is that cool? Yeah, that's kind of cool. Okay, home. let me find the ones I'm looking for here. Uh, okay, The first one, everyone's familiar with this one. 25% of teenagers use their phones more than eight hours a day.
1: Yeah. So multiply that by seven and you have more than a full-time job. The first thing I would say is that most of us parents use our screens more than eight hours a day too. And so if we start coming at them, they're just going to be like, okay, boomer. They're going to just say, look, you're not leading by example. They're not going to say that. They're going to think that. And when it comes to having balance with the phones, in your kid's life, the best thing to do is not be in a hurry, especially if they already have a phone, and then just start changing yourself. Start growing, start researching, start learning interesting facts, and, and try different like psychological experiments on yourself, whether that's leaving your phone in your car, having a curfew for yourself. And then, as you're leading by example, with humility, say, hey, why don't you kind of join me on this? And they don't have, I mean, they, whether they have to or not, that's up to you and your parenting style. But if you're trying to just dictate to them while you're looking at your phone all the time, too, it's okay. going to cause them to whisper under their breath and just say, just wait till I leave home.
0: Wow. OK, one other thing that's way more general, but um, I'm sure culture speaks into this. And these are these are basically Barna stats. Fifty eight percent still identify as Christian. Only 43 percent attend church regularly and just one in eleven is an engaged Christian with beliefs and practices that put faith front and center. And that's Gen Z again. Does that ring true, first of all, I guess, in in your experience?
1: Yeah, um, you know, I trust those guys and I trust the work they're doing. And there seems to be other like Pew research that kind of backs it up. But what that means is that our kids are growing up in a post-Christian culture, in a post-Christian world, Hmm. where the things that we might have assumed just aren't there. And so, again, we have to start asking ourselves, are we asking the questions and answering the questions the next generation is actually asking? And what are they thinking? Because there's a lot of strengths to them as well. Um, as far as like, man, their, uh, their racial diversity, their cultural diversity is off the charts. It's amazing.
0: Servant attitude. Yeah.
1: Uh, just the, the care they have for justice issues. And yep. the there's some really powerful things to, to celebrate. But at the same time, we are like, all right, you're really getting this grace thing down. I like it. Let's kind of work on our truth muscle now. Yeah, let's uh, let's not forget that. This is not
0: just all chest, no legs in the workout. You know what I mean? we got to kind of balance it out. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. That's great. This is just, I mean, I could go on for hours. We won't do that to you, I promise. But um, this is also fascinating. Mike, anything? Well, I am really
2: hopeful that uh, Gen Z with folks like A- Access and Epic, and working in the schools will uh, help maybe have a major revolution in uh, the way we think about our time together, our connectivity, those kind of things. Would you give us one last word of hope with this generation and, and the parenting? I guess two hundred thousand a month. You said you're shocked by that. <laughs> you know, the sky's it's the limit just, there, right?
1: Yeah, it's yeah. unbelievable. Um, it's totally unbelievable. And, and there's room for more. That's amazing. Uh, you know, I think as we access the cool thing about serving all these families is they tell us what they think and they give us their best advice and input and ideas and they share their hearts and sorrow with us. And so I'll I'll leave you with the story is kind of like the story I've been kind of chewing on recently. Um, and I think I have an answer to the riddle, the riddle of the story, but it happened to a friend of mine. He was looking for something in his son's room, couldn't find it. So looking in his son's closet, you know, just dad trying to find something comes across a box in his kid's closet and opens the box and finds a half consumed bottle of whiskey and an open box of condoms. So nightmare situation, like my the nightmare situation is like my kid's hiding something from me. And these are high, high risk activities that could change the trajectory of the rest of their life. And so, um, so yeah, there's like fear, there's, um, anger, there's a whole lot of emotions. So this dad takes this stuff, talks to his wife, they put it on the end table, wait for their son to come home. And as this dad's telling me the story, he said, David, what would you do? And I said, uh, well, uh, what did you do? <laughs> and so as, cause I don't know, how I do, um, <laughs> I'll, I'll let the smart dad teach me his ways. <laughs> and then I will share yeah, them with that's that's right. Uh, so, he said, um, he said he confronted his son gently, waited for him to come home from school. And this is one of those situations where the son quickly confessed, felt deeply guilty and shameful, and felt like he couldn't tell anyone. And here he was, like, experiencing things. And so it's it a really interesting story. Now, what makes it even more interesting is that the box is an incredible metaphor. Because um, everyone has a box in our lives where we hide things from God and each other and our spouses or, you know, maybe not everyone, but you know, we do. Um, and, you know, for the next, for the rising generation, the new box is the smartphone and what's inside the box is all the cultural artifacts of Gen Z. Uh, and so as I've been kind of reflecting on the box metaphor, I've been thinking that access really cares um, about the box and what's in it. It's easy just to care about what's in the box, the scary stuff. But what we really care about is not just what's in the box, but the box itself, helping parents open it, realizing that that box is a box of secrecy is a, is a box of alienation is a box of separation. And then I'm obviously saying, okay, this is how you have compassion and courage to deal with the box, but also to deal with what's inside of it. So that'd be my final thought. And, um, and in many cases, your kids don't want to have a box. They're trapped and they want freedom.
0: Wow. That's great. Very profound. Love it. Now's the time you lead out with uh, ukulele bump music. Uh, wow. Okay. Heavy note. Uh, oh no. Right in with our theme. What is it? Money. <laughs> no, i kidding. I won't go into the Pink Floyd references, but um, well, hey, uh, wow, wow, wow. Loved it. And uh, man, can we get you back sometime, David? I'd love to keep up with you and what you're doing.
1: Yeah, sure. Sure. <laughs> it's always, you know, it's always flattered to be interviewed. So, um, but yeah, I hope this is really helpful to your people. Awesome. Absolutely. And
2: helpful for me as I prepare this next
1: month. You're this. in such a good position. You are in such a good spot. I mean, thank you. Yeah. And yeah, I'm excited. You should totally grab the book too. It will it's skim it, get your wife to skim it. We'll just getting that, getting that agreement out there. Cause a lot of things we just assume. Yeah. And like 13 year olds don't assume the things that their wise parents assume. And so it's like, I've got to talk about this. Shoot. I didn't think that was going to be an issue. All right, fellas. Thank you.
0: Thank, thank you, you, buddy. And yes, everybody hearing this, uh, if you're in earshot grab that book, I can tell you it's a great book. What's Thanks, the best Brad.
2: way to pick it up, David? Smartphone Sanity.
1: Amazon Amazon. awesome Amazon take care of you it'll get you get you right be there in two and a half days three days and access.org for all the parent
2: materials and the to get on the translator
1: yeah I would recommend starting off with Culture Translator access.org slash CT for Culture Translator
0: Uh, and I will say too the pod the access ideas podcast is definitely worth checking out it's great as well so go subscribe Subscribe to us first and then go subscribe. No, I'm kidding. Thank you, guys. Bye. If you thought today's episode was enlightening, please pass the word. The Classroom and Culture Show can be heard on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, and wherever you get your podcasts. Also, to become a regular listener and receive additional info, please subscribe on your favorite platform today. That's Classroom and Culture from Epic Media Partners. Thanks.